Hey there, I'm Nick Stewart. Once a week, my good friend Tim Rubin and I catch up to do a podcast called Off Air. This is Tim. It's super creepy to reanimate somebody's dead father for their birthday. We have a combined 20 years plus experience in the media and entertainment industry, and we're tired of trying to condense complex issues into two-minute clickbait. Each week, we try to dissect three big issues with varying degrees of success. We're always learning, and we'd love you to join us for the journey. Join the discussion at Off Air Community on Facebook and find us on all your podcast apps. This is Off Air. I turned 30, and the lead up to 30 was excruciating. Then I hit 30, and then a lot of that anxiety dissipated. And I actually, I guess I sort of came to a better place of just acceptance of this is where I'm at. But also the other part of me was feeling almost empowered. Hello, my name's Riley Rose Harper and this is How to Turn 30, the podcast all about tackling the transition from your 20s to your 30s. This is episode nine, The Curious Pressures of Turning 30 with Yana Firestone. I'm very excited about this episode because we're going deep with Yana, who is a therapist, writer and podcaster. I was so looking forward to speaking to Yana because not only had she actually felt and known the pressures of turning 30, she's also very equipped to share her insights on why we feel these pressures and what we should actually be focusing on turning 30 as she is a qualified therapist. I was definitely desperate to hear her thoughts on how we can better handle the stress of feeling like we haven't done enough in our career or feeling like we weren't at the place we thought we'd be at 30. So we've literally bundled up an episode where we touch on some of the biggest pressures we feel turning 30. And I'm so grateful to Yana because she's very candidly shared some of her own experiences turning 30 when it came to her career, when it came to love as well. She was single when she turned 30 and I'm so grateful that she was so generous to share her story with us. So here is Yana Firestone. Hello, Yana. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. By the way, Yana Firestone, that is such a cool name. How could you not do something amazing with your life with a last name like Firestone? It's so good, <laughs> Yana. I know. I wish I could say I picked it myself, but I was actually just gifted it with my birth. <laughs> uh, so tell us a little bit about yourself, Yana, before we kick in to the topic of how to turn 30. Sure. Yeah. Well, as you said, um, I've been host and producing the Curious Life podcast for the last, oh, I guess we're coming up to two years now. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I've just kind of used it as a way to bring together my skills as a therapist. So I've been, I've been working as a counsellor and a therapist for the last 16 years or so. Mm. And um, I've also been a freelance writer alongside that. So I've sort of merged the two skills um, and I'm sort of turning the microphone over to interesting people who share their stories of overcoming things. And, I guess, you know, everybody talks about what they got through to get to where they are today. But I suppose what sets my podcast apart is that we sort of look at things through a therapeutic lens and I just can't help myself but to pick through the backstory. Mm. So that's been taking up uh, the most of my time the last couple of years. Well, I mean, this might be putting you on the spot, but I actually did want to know about your um, podcast guest. Do you think there's any pattern with these guests because obviously they do have incredible lives and a lot of them that you speak to are really successful in their field. Do you think there is anything underlying that really stands out to you? Well, interestingly, it's not something that I set out 
to look for, for example. So a lot of my guests, are, I might sort of be contacted by their PR rep or I might reach out to them thinking I know what the story is and what I'd like to investigate further with them. And it just seems by fate that the majority of them have gone through really extreme losses. So I've got people like Lane Beachley, Sam Wood, an amazing Australian writer, Jesse Cole. I mean, that's just a couple just off the top of my head. Neil Whitaker, who we know from TV. Everybody talks about the loss of a parent at a young age and what that did to them. I also spoke with an entrepreneur, Blair James, who's the founder of Bondi Sands, and he had some horrific losses. He lost both his parents at a young age. And unbelievably, this seems to be the common thread that seems to bring all of my guests together. So it's not something that I necessarily knew about going into, but funnily enough, or not funny at all, actually, but I also lost my my mum at a young age. So I'm not sure whether the universe is putting these people in my path for us to talk about how we overcome one of the greatest losses we can experience in our lifetime and how we use that to drive ourselves to greatness. Not certainly not saying that I'm doing anything great necessarily, but those people are. And yeah, their stories are remarkable. And for them to have gone through, particularly some of them who have really harrowing early childhood experiences, to then go on to incredible success that is beyond anything that the average person would experience in a lifetime. It's, uh, yeah, it's an interesting kind of, I don't want to say juxtaposition, but it's an interesting sort of position. Yeah. And it's quite a different perspective as well that it it gives you when, you know, you sort of hear these stories too, and it gives you perspective on your life and, and how lucky you Mm. are to have the people around you that you love. And, you know, a lot of us have been touched by loss as well, but sometimes we need reminding because Mm. then we can appreciate life and what we have around us. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Sometimes we can get stuck in the loss. And I know, you know, there are even people in my family that after the loss of my mum and she was, you know, this big figure in my extended family's life, she was, you know, the glue that held a lot of us together. And, you know, there were a lot of people, excuse me, in my family that sort of didn't move past that loss for a very long time and that are still in some ways stuck in that grief. So, I think it's really interesting to think about what it is about certain people who can sort of take losses of great magnitude and not let them, let that freeze them where they are. Yeah. So I guess it's a little bit about grit and personality and what we're born with and what makes us who we are that gets us through some of these inevitable life challenges. Well, tell me about your life, Yana, especially as you were turning 30. Did you feel the pressure around the milestone? Oh my God, did I feel the pressure? I Mm. was like a lot of people. Mm. I was totally panicked about turning 30. Um, I remember distinctly, you know, I'm going to be 39 in a few months. Mm -hmm. Um, And interestingly, I remember very, very vividly that anxiety of approaching 30 and not even necessarily having a concrete idea of what it was that was freaking me out, but knowing that I just had this rising sense of panic and it might've had something to do with where I was in my life. 
But like on the flip side of that, like I've just recognized that I'm on the cusp of turning 40 Mm. and it's not even registering. You would think that that would be another big milestone that would be, and perhaps that's your next season (laughs) of the show, the how to turn 40. But I, I don't feel the same anxiety at all about turning 40 as I did about turning 30. I've thought about this a lot lately, actually, thinking about different milestones. And I've really tried to question whether I felt like that when I was turning 20, which I don't think I did because I don't feel like I felt any different from about 18 to maybe 24. Um, And (laughs) then, yeah, and then I was really questioning whether I'd turn 40 and feel like this or turning 50 and feel like this. But 30 does seem, and I don't know whether maybe it's a biological thing because you sort of do start thinking about or I've got to start seriously thinking about whether I'm going to have babies or get married or settle down. And it's also a career thing, actually. Mm. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. And I think for me, um, you know, when I was 29 and turning 30, I had just finished working at the coroner's court for a long time. So I'd spent many years working in deep grief and trauma. Funny that, given Mm, our last (laughs) conversation about loss. But um. I had just started working in schools. I was finishing my master's, which I had gone back to do um, a bit later on. And all of my friends were either in long-term relationships, engaged or about to be married or actually getting married. And I had been single for quite a while. You know, in my early 20s, I'd been in a significant relationship. I'd been living with him for, you know, four or five years. And then I had this period of about eight years of being single Um, And at that turning point, as I said, all my friends were getting married and starting Mm. their lives. And, and it was quite literally every single one of my close friends was in that space. And I couldn't have been further from it. So career wise, I felt like I was making steps and I was moving towards whatever my next chapter was Mm -hmm. with my profession. Because as I said, I'd left the coroner's court. I was moving into working as a therapist in schools. I felt like that had traction, whereas the other part of my life was feeling really stuck. Mm. And, you know, that terrible thing that we all do where we compare ourselves to everyone else um, is the greatest problem I think of that time in fact it's still a problem for all Mm. of us you know even now at this age but I think that was the biggest issue for me is just feeling like I needed or I wanted to be in a different place in my life and it was almost out of my hands to make it happen. Mm. So you obviously did feel a bit of pressure in that sense. How did you overcome that mindset as well? Because I found when I'd been single in my 20s and I was a bit the same as you, My all my friends got yeah married and, and had long-term relationships throughout all my 20s. And I felt I don't want to say desperate, but I, but there was definitely mm. moments where I was like, I just want one boyfriend just for like six months. Yeah, yeah <laughs> um, totally. But it I sort of totally isn't, isn't until you sort of let go of that and then just sort of, you know, focus on enjoying your life that a, a really good person <laughs> comes along. How did you let go of that mindset? Well, you know, for me, I guess I was always in this, you know, as I think about it, I was always in this sort of split mindset there was that part of me that like you described felt almost a bit desperate and like why not me why can't I find one that will stick around how do all my friends have these long-term relationships and I felt like I could get 
attention from men and I was dating yep. and, you know, seeing people, but it would never really stick and turn into something more significant. And that's not to say they were the right guys. And as you say, I wasn't clearly in the right space either for mm. it. But for some reason, I, I don't know what it was, but I just, I turned 30 and the lead up to 30 was excruciating. Then I hit 30 and then a lot of that anxiety dissipated. And I actually, I don't know, I guess I sort of came to a better place of just acceptance of this is where I'm at. But also the other part of me was feeling almost empowered. So I'd sort of oscillate between this, you know, almost feeling of desperation and then this feeling of empowerment. Like, Mm. yeah, I'm a single woman. Like I'm owning my life. I live alone. I've got an apartment. I've got a great job. Like things are great. Mm. But then the flip side of that would be like flicking through Tinder, just seeing the same people over and over again and just Mm -hmm. getting more and more depressed. So I think for me, honestly, I got into a good headspace with it all and just accepted that whatever will be, will be probably around 32. Mm. Yeah, it's actually so funny that you say that too because it's been quite a common thread that once you get over that age, 30, um, <laughs> it, it does tend to dissipate and you do start to feel really empowered. And because you can kind of garner what you've learned in your 20s too and then it, it you've become, you know, without even noticing quite a um, wise person, you know, a, a bit more street yeah. smart, a little bit more savvy and um, you can use that in your 30s. When, what, How old were you when you met your partner, by the way, if you don't mind me asking? I was, um, I think I was 33. Yeah. But, you know, nice. I had this kind of weird epiphany or not even an epiphany. I just had this sense of knowing. I remember saying to my dad, you know, uh, well, oh, it would be great to go on another family trip overseas or something like that, you know, talking future planning. And mm. I was like, but, we, well, you know, we'll have to hurry up because I'm going to have a baby soon. <laughs> and he'd sort of look at me like, mm, okay, whatever, you know, like I was single. There was mm. no one even on the horizon. But I just believed because for me, and I know in some of your earlier episodes, I've been really fascinated by the conversation around women choosing not to have kids. Yes. I, I've got a friend who's chosen not to have kids and she's really clear about that. Whereas I'm on the other side of that spectrum where my whole life I've always known I wanted to have kids. I never pictured a wedding. I never pictured like the big, you know, you know, marriage story, but I always pictured myself having kids. And now that I have them, like, what the hell am I thinking? (laughs) But, uh, (laughs) but, you know, I, I sort of had this, yeah, just this sense that like, it was all going to be okay. And, and I guess that sense of desperation that we talked about, really sort of calm down. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, can't even really explain how or why things were not that different for me at 33 as they were at 32 or 31 yeah. in terms of my career and my place in the world, you know. Maybe I was just ready. Yeah. It sounds like you just had so much clarity. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. There was still plenty of nights. Yeah. What the hell is going on? When is it going to happen? What do you think from (laughs) who is this guy? (laughs) What do you think from a therapist counseling point of view? I've spoken about being completely on the fence with babies. How do you Mm. actually get 
clarity around the decision. Is there a clear-cut answer to that or is it just literally <laughs> questioning exactly what you want for your life? Well, you know what? I wish I had a magic wand for you. Yeah. But <laughs> Me too. unfortunately, I don't know that there is mm. a right or wrong answer. And I think for some people you just know and I, I sort of think about it in the same way that um, you might think about sexuality. I think you just know who you like, you know who you're attracted to. Like my whole life I've been boy crazy. I've known yes. for as long as I can remember that I like boys, you know, yeah. and I think for some people they know from a very young age that they like girls or they like both or they, you know, whatever. And I think for me I, it was just never a question. I just knew I always always knew I wanted to have kids. But for a lot of my friends, they've they were sort of on the fence too and I don't know that there's any one thing that will help you decide one way or another. Mm. But I guess one way of looking at it would be, you know, if you think about your life in 50 years time, you know, what does it look like to you? Mm. Is it you traveling the world and, you know, just enjoying your life, enjoying your successes? Is it you with a family and grandchildren around you? Is it you, you know, mm. I don't know, the head of some amazing corporation mm. or you just, you know, I guess you have to just think about what, not what you want now, not what you want in the next five years, but really it do you have a sense of where you want to be at the end of your life? Mm, yeah, I love that. I genuinely don't think I've really given that much thought, just that I would be catching up on sleep. <laughs> <laughs> which will probably be needed if I do choose to have kids. <laughs> mm, I was going to say, if you value sleep, let me make the decision for you. <laughs> Let's talk about career. There's a lot of people I find, and even myself, mm-hmm. you sort of envision your life when you're 20 and you're like, I'm going to make so many 30 under 30 lists. I'm going to be really rich by the time I'm 30. Sometimes we even feel like you know, the career that we've chosen in our 20s, maybe it's not bringing us as much happiness as what we thought we would. But there's this sort of underlying stigma that, you know, oh, you've come this far, you may as well keep going in that career. What would you say um, on career pivots or or really, you know, maybe even going back to uni? I am all for it. You know, mm. I, I'm an example of someone who pivots frequently mm-hmm. um, and, okay, there haven't been great leaps from where I've started. Uh, you know, even with the podcast, I'm still sort of doing what I've been doing for a long time. But, you know, recently in COVID, COVID times, we had to start a new business because my partner lost his job in events catering. Mm. And so, all of a sudden I'm now running a hospitality business and, you know, that's another thing I've started from the ground up, have no idea what I'm doing, learning vertically. And it is as as exhausting as it is, it's been such a great thing for both of us to be challenged in a different way and using your brain in a different way. And, you know, sometimes I work with people who might feel stuck yeah. in terms of where they're at in their life. And like you say, feeling confronted with that question, you know, maybe they've always dreamed of doing interior design, but they're actually working in a corporate office and don't feel like they can step off the train. But I would always advocate for people to follow their passions. And I think if there's a part of you that wants to be doing something or is interested in something else, 
even just investigate it. It's sometimes even just jumping online and looking at the course and looking at the content and seeing if there are, you know, part-time courses you could do in the evening or online when you have time just to kind of dip your toe in and try something out. You know, I'm all for it because I think life is for living Mm. and you don't want to be regretting the decisions that you didn't make or the chances you didn't take because the worst thing that can happen is you try something and you don't like it Mm. and you move back to whatever it is that you were doing before or you might find that there's one aspect of the new thing that you're trying that really drives you and motivates you and then maybe that's what you end up doing. So I'm I'm a strong believer in, you know, go for it, try everything, do everything. And I'm sure that's um, quite prevalent in your podcast interviews as well with this different array of people that you're talking to as well. It's sort of like, you know, I I can't remember off the top of my head the saying, but, you know, things happen outside of your comfort zone. Mm, So true. A hundred percent. And actually, we both interviewed Sarah Davidson and, you know, she's a terrific example of what exactly what we're talking about. Someone who had a really serious academic career. She was a lawyer and then started doing something on the side. That became the full-time thing. Started a whole new career as a podcaster, a writer, an influencer. And it's it couldn't be further from what she started out doing and mm. what possibly her life plan looked like 10 years ago. So I guess we just ne- never know where life is going to take us and where we're going to end up. But if you don't take the leap, you'll never know. In your opinion, Yana, what do you think we should be focusing on just turning 30? You know, we've got these pressures all around us. We might be feeling pressure in more ways than one. And there's been, you know, a lot of people messaging me about the podcast and even, you know, they're like, I'm 25 and I'm already starting to feel this pressure. Do you think there's anything that you could impart that would help people feel a little bit eased by the milestone? I mean, I know we talked about getting over the hump um, and feeling (laughs) a lot better, but, you know, is it a well-being thing? Should we just be really taking care of ourselves a little bit more? Yeah, I think the biggest root of all evil is comparison, you know, and when we compare ourselves to our friends, people we look up to, Instagram, Mm. strangers, you know, that's just a recipe for disaster. So I think the the best advice I would give someone is to turn your attention back to yourself. Mm -hmm. We are absolutely all doing our own race. You know, it's not going to help you to look at where your friends are at, look at what everyone else is doing. You just have to focus that energy back on yourself and do the things that make you happy. Mm. You know, if you feel like that biological clock is ticking or you're feeling like you need that partner or you're wanting to be in that place in your career you know the only way you're going to get the things that you want is if you're in a place where you love yourself and you you're happy Mm. and I know that happiness can be a bit of a myth sometimes we're definitely not always going to be happy we're not going to be happy all the time but if you're feeling secure in who you are and what you're striving for, then I think that will help get you over that hump. So put the blinders on. Don't worry about anyone else's race and just focus on your own. Mm, God, that is so true, Yana, especially with um, comparison. You're so right. You know, sometimes I'm even watching a movie and I'm like Googling the actors in it and I'm like, oh, 
yeah, they're 32. I've got time to get successful like them. Or like, oh crap, that girl's 22. What the hell? (laughs) It's so dumb. I know, but we all do it, you know, and then we feel terrible about ourselves for having not achieved whatever this fictional person or, you know, unusual person has been able to do in a very short period of time. But you know, again, it's just about finding your joy and your happiness and the things that make you feel good about yourself, you know, and focusing in on those. Thank you so much for talking to me today. And I think it would be really helpful for people listening. Thank you, Yana. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much to Yana Firestone for her time today. And of course, you can find more from Yana at thecuriouslife.net, also on Instagram and also, of course, her podcast, The Curious Life. You can listen to it on your favorite podcasting app. Speaking of which... Thank you for listening to this episode today. And if you enjoyed it, I'd love it so much if you could leave me a review or a rating or a screenshot you listening to this podcast and pop it up on your Instagram account. That would be amazing. You can get in touch with me at Riley Rose Harper or How to Turn 30 Podcast on Instagram. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>